Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Good morning, church. I do trust that you've been blessed that by that um, time of worship. And you know, as the song says, let there be love shared amongst us. Let there be love in our hearts. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just bless you. We thank you, Father God, for your love that was shared on the cross of Calvary for each and every one of us. And this morning, even as the song says, let your love be shared amongst us. Let your love write in the hearts of each and every one of us. Knowing that, we are from one universal family. We are God's creation and we need to love as God loves. Amen. Amen. Um, church this morning, can I just quickly encourage us before we start the message that we listen to today's message with fresh set of ears. And what do I mean by that? You know, there are scriptures that we listen to and as soon as we open the scripture, we know the words. As soon as we start the story, we can actually recount it much more than the person who is reading it. But this morning, we're going to share some scriptures. And they're scriptures that we're very familiar with. And they're stories or accounts that we're very familiar with. But we need to understand that when God ministers to us, he, probably, he ministers the same scripture, but with different analysis to it. You know, it's said of Brother Hagen that when he ministers from his famous scripture, which is Mark 11, 22, 23, he can minister on any subject using those scriptures. And I've had the privilege of listening to him minister with that same scripture. He's ministered healing, he's ministered faith, he's ministered some other topics. So this morning, I'm going to encourage us that even as we read the account of today's scriptures, we should open our hearts, open our ears, because God's wanting to speak to us from a different angle relating to this, um, relating to this um, scripture. Amen. So um, one other thing I'm going to ask you to do is that button, the comments button, the like button, you know, as we are listening to the message, make use of it. Let us know, um, you know, some of the things we're saying. Let's know if, you, if they're in line with what you believe. Let's put comments on there. Now, the reason I'm asking for us to put comments today is because the angle at which we're coming from with today's message, I would like to know if people have actually heard the message preached from this same angle before. So please make use of those buttons or comment fields there. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to take it from verse 11 to verse 32. Luke 15, 11 to 32. Now, um, this is famously tagged as the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And this is a title, I mean, this is a passage that most of us learned in Sunday school, so we definitely do know the story. 
It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between the two of them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine in the country, in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went back to his father. But while he was still long, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he says, quick, bring the, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin, began to celebrate. 25 says, Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, he has him back safe and sound. 28 says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Verse 30 says, but when... This son of yours, and there's the older brother still speaking. When this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Amen. So if we take, if we go back to verse 28, and I'm going to read that again. It says, the older brother, whom for the purpose of this teaching, I'm going to call son A. So there'll be son A and son B. So son A is the older one, son B is the, is the, is the younger one. The older brother, son A, became angry and refused to go in. Now, that basically shows us sort of like the condition of his heart. 
It, and the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, every time I've listened to a message on this passage, there's always focus on the errors of the younger brother, you know, the prodigal son, the one who took the, his father's wealth, the one who squandered it. But when we look at it from with fresh eyes, we can see that there's another major player in this scripture. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the older brother and not the younger brother. Amen. So we see here the condition of his heart that begins to play out, you know, when he addresses his father to say, right, you know, I'm, I'm your son. I've been here all the time, right? Now my brother comes back home and, you know, you, trick him, you treat him like royalty. You know, you put a ring on his finger, you put a new robe on him, you celebrate, you get the best calf there in the, that we have. You kill it and, you know, you, you just have a party. What about me? You've not even given me a young goat that I can celebrate with my friends. You know, the condition of our hearts. You know, all eggs look the same until they're broken. When an egg is broken, then you begin to see this. You know, if it's a bad egg, you, see, you, you can smell the stench a mile away. Now, all these years that his younger brother has left home, he's been cocooned, you know, he's been protected. Everything that was going on on the inside of him was covered up until the time that his brother shows up. You know, no matter what type of uniform, I'm going to say that whatever type of uniform that you're wearing, it does not hide the inside of what you have on the inside of you. And I say this to say, if you're working for Her Majesty's service and you're a law enforcement agent and you're putting on a uniform, that protects you, but it's but that does not hide the real you. Amen, someone. So, what is in your heart? If God was to shine a light upon the hearts of each and every one of us, what would it look like? If God was to say, "Here's a lamp. Let everyone turn around and see." If I was to see what's in your heart and you were to see what's in my heart, what would, it, what would we see? What would be there? Now, I've got a bit of an illustration here, and it's a quick quiz, and I would like you to put your comments in the comment box. Right. I know you're not going to be, I'm not going to be able to hear you, but I know that you know what this is. Now, I'm showing us, this is a lemon. I was actually going to use an orange, but I couldn't get hold of an orange. So, I'm sorry, that's a lime. <laughs> and that is a lemon. Now, they're from the same family. But if I was to cut this lime and squeeze it out, what would be there? Answers, please. That would be lime juice. And I'm hoping everyone's writing lime juice. If I was to cut that which is a lemon, what would we get out of that? That would be lemon juice. And the same as, let's put our imaginary cap on. 
you know, if we had an orange and we cut an orange and we squeeze it out, what would that produce? It will produce orange juice, which a lot of us like drinking. Now, let's turn that away from the fruit. If someone was to squeeze you, what would come out of you? And what do I mean by that? When the pressures of life squeeze you, when someone cuts you off in traffic, which is a very common one, when someone jumps the queue at the supermarket, when you get on a bus and someone pushes you and walks past, when you feel there's an injustice upon your life, when you're faced with pressure at work, when you're faced with pressure at home, what are the things, what comes out of you? You see, whatever comes out of you at that point of pressure is definitely what's on the inside of you. And that's why the Bible encourages us to guide our hearts with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Now, point is, if you don't like what comes out, what do you do about it? If you don't like what comes out, it's important that you're mindful of what goes in in the first place. Because whatever goes in is what's going to come out on the other end. You see, we're all responsible for the words that we speak and for the actions. Every single one of us. So when this guy turns around to his father and says, well, you've done this for my brother. You've killed a calf. You've given him a... It's the things that were on the inside of him that was coming out. He just never had that opportunity to vent his anger. And this was his time to do that. And that's exactly what he has done. So I don't know how many years has passed, but he had never dealt with those issues. And that was why at the first opportunity, it came out of him. So it's important that for each one of us, we ensure that what goes on the inside is pure, is holy, it's honorable. Because sooner or later, it would come out. It would either come out in words or it will come out in actions. But it will definitely come out. And that's why you find there are times when People in high positions tweet about things. And they say, oh, but I did not mean it. It was taken out of context. Nah. It was the things that were on the inside showing up on the outside. And the same as with an egg. The minute an egg breaks, you cannot take it back and put it in its original position. But it's important that we're mindful of the things that we're taking. Amen, someone. So I'm going to ask us a few questions. And these are questions that we're either going to ask ourselves or you're going to do me a favor. 
when you see son A, wherever it is, he is, he might be on your job, he might be the manager, he might be the lawgiver, he might be the law enforcer, he might be in the educational system, he might be in the medical system, he might be in your community, but he might actually be under your own roof as well. But I have a few questions. So whenever you see son A, I would like you to ask him a few of these questions. First question is, where was he when his younger brother was making all those terrible decisions? Where was he? Because I would like to believe that they grew up in the same house. They slept in the same room. They ate at the same dining table. They were brought up by the same parents. And if he was the older brother, right, we know that he was supposed to be mentoring and looking after his younger brother. So that's the first question. Now, could it be that he actually contributed to the decision of his brother leaving home? That's a possibility. What was his relationship with his brother growing up? Was he a big brother bully? Now, I'll tell you something. I am the first of five children, right? And growing up, my parents, bless them, love them, right? For anything my siblings did, I got the rap for it. Because my mom, who is the disciplinarian in the family, believed that I knew about it. So if my brother got out of line, if my sisters got out of line, I got the rap for it. Now, could it be that it was the same for this young man? That every time the younger brother, who is the last born, and we know the last born syndrome, they get away with murder practically. Every time the young brother did something, maybe the older one got the rap for it. And because of that, he probably at one point thought, you know what? If you weren't here, I wouldn't be getting the rap. And if I'm going to be honest, there were times growing up when I felt, you know what? Why do I, get, why do I have to get the rap for what my brothers and sisters did? But I took a different route. Rather than wishing that my brothers and sisters weren't there, I couldn't wait till I was 18 to get out of the house. So is it possible that he had those things festering in his mind for years and years and just never had anyone to speak to about it? Now, the day his brother left the house, where was he? Was he at home? If he was at home, did he try and stop his brother from leaving? Or he might have said, okay, you know, I was in the field. But if he was in the field, when he got home and realized that his brother wasn't there, did he go looking, after, looking for him? Did he ever at any point go and try and find his brother to establish why he left home? You see, he, by default, 
has become a guilty party because there are things that as an older brother he should have done and scripture doesn't tell us that he did it and I would like to believe he did not do it because if he did it he would have been happy when his brother came back home so why was he angry why was he bitter these are questions that we need to be asking are we the older brother let's ask ourselves are you the older brother Ask yourself those questions. Are those older brothers in your community? Are they in the educational system? Are they in the political arena? Are they in the medical arena? Let's ask ourselves these questions. If we're able to answer them, the love of God, as the sisters sang earlier on, will be shared better amongst us. You know, when you look around you today, you see a lot of people that fit into the description of this older brother. And sometimes they appear to be loving. They appear to be committed. They're zealous. And actually, they've come across as very holy as well. For those of us in the church. And it doesn't take a long time before you begin to spot the similar cracks, the similar errors as you see in this older brother whom I've called, um, who, who I've called um, son A. So if we go back into scripture and take a look at what happened in the beginning, now we see the account of two brothers, Cain and Abel, in the book of Genesis, and we have Abel whose offering unto the Lord was accepted and the other brother, who is the older brother for that matter, whose offering was not accepted. Out of jealous rage, he kills his brother. And then God comes and says, Cain, where's your brother? What was his response? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Am I his keeper? Am I his babysitter? You know, when I read that, I thought to myself, can you imagine you're af asking an African parent, ask you a question and you give that sort of answer. You know, man, you see stars. But you know, God is just such a compassionate God. And I think God was trying to get Cain to realize something there. Now, and if you look through scripture, right, there were more kings in scripture. Now, they might have not murdered their siblings practically, but through their words, through their actions, they've actually murdered. Because if you hate your brother, you're murdered. Another character that I want us to look at is Joseph. Now, Joseph was a loved child. And we know the account of Joseph in Genesis 37, where his father sent him, go and check out on your brothers in the fields, you know, bring, take them food and come back with word for me. Let me know how they're doing. And what do they do? 
the gang up against him. Oh, here comes the dreamer. Now is the day we'll deal with you. Now, as far as the brothers were concerned, without going into too much details, they had written the last chapter of his life. Because they sold him into slavery, they made money out of him. They had they practically written, I mean, that was it. You know, he was done dusted as far as they were concerned. Little did they know that he turned out to be the meal ticket that saved their lives during the time of famine. But you know, one thing I like about Joseph is the way he, the way he came across, when, uh, you know, the, the way he resolved all this issue in his heart. He says, what you meant for evil, God has turned it around for good. And I'm speaking to someone this morning. If you're facing injustice, if you're facing discrimination, if you're facing, you know, racism, whatever it is that you're going through, God today is turning that around for your good. Let's take a look at another scripture. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Galatians 6 verse 2. And Galatians puts it this way. It says, bear, endure, carry another, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking in, in your obedience to it. And what is that law? The law of Christ. That law of Christ is the law of love. You see, that is the one commandment that God gives to the New Testament believers. That we should love. And I'm going to confirm that for us in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, 36 to 39. It said this, and these are Jesus' disciples asking him this question. He says, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It says, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is just like the first one. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thy shall love thy neighbor as thyself. Church, there are so, so many of our neighbors that are being maltreated, are being killed today as a result of something they have no control over. Now, this law of love, if we had the love of God in our hearts, that love will put a, an end to injustice. It's going to put an end to inequality, to prejudice, to stereotyping, to discrimination, to being judgmental. It'll put an end to, be, to segregation. It'll put an end to superiority complex. And it'll put an end to racism. Now, if we walk in love as defined by God, I have a question. What does it matter, the color of our skin? I've always been of this notion, as long as 
the same color blood flows through us. We are no different. I said to my daughter yesterday, we were just having a discussion. And I said, you know what? Do you know what my new slogan is? Hashtag colorblind. We must not see color. What we should see is potential. What we should see is someone who has been created in the image of God after his own likeness. And that is why if anyone says they love God, live morally. You know, they, the Americans have this on their, on, in their constitution and also in their currency. It says, one nation under God. And on the currency, you'll find in God we trust. You know, it's good if, when we have that. But if you don't live by those principles, it's of no use. It does not mean anything. And I say this to say, you know, some of us have a cross necklace on, around our necks. Some of us sleep with the Bible underneath our pillow. But if we don't live by the commands and the principles of what we believe and what we read in the scriptures, then it's of no use. You might as well pack up like my, you know, my, my spiritual father says, you might as well just, you know, be in the world if you want to be in the world. And it's also in Revelations. You either be in the world or you be in the world. The choice is ours. But if you're going to be in the world, be in the world full time and reap the benefits of being in the world. Hallelujah, someone. If we say we love, we truly love our neighbors, we need to live by those words. You see, the stronger ones need to uphold the weaker ones. And that is the way that we can all be strong together. There's always a saying that you are only as strong as the weakest link. And if that's so true for every area of our lives. If you have someone who is weak amongst you, you need to ensure that that person gets stronger. What are we talking about? Being your brother's keeper. If the older brother had mentored his younger brother, the brother might have stayed. They might have been working in the field, probably working in the field together, which would have been more production for the family. We don't abandon and neglect a person because they don't fit into the social status or have the same privileges. You see, when soldiers go to war, if they have a comrade that falls, you know that they never leave him on the, on the battlefield. They ensure that even if they can't take him back to base, he gets a decent burial there. We need one voice. And that is the voice of God. And that is the voice of love. Let's take a look at another scripture. Hebrews chapter 13. 
Hebrews 13, verse 1 to 3. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. It says, don't forget to share hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, verse 3, which is really where I'm going to get into. It says, remember those in prison. And you know, sometimes it's not actually a physical prison. It's a prison of not being able to voice what you're going through. It's a prison of being stereotyped. It's a prison of being sidelined. It's a prison of, you know, I, I, I can't say how I'm feeling. And some of us have been in those prisons. And the Bible is saying, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those who are being mistreated as if you were, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Now, we know there's been a lot of protests lately. And those people are out there because they feel the pain that George Floyd's family are feeling in America. They're feeling that pain. So I'm asking us today, are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? Are you, the, are you feeling the pain that your neighbor is feeling? Are you going to be that voice for the voiceless? You see, when God sent us Jesus, it was out of love. He put love before his son. And that was why the Bible says he did not withhold even his own son and gave him up for us. So that we'll be reconciled back unto him. His love celebrates the return of one child. The Bible says that his love has been shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And throughout scripture, God demonstrates this love to each and every one of us. And the command is that we go and do likewise. You know, there's a song that we sing. It says, his love is kind. His love is patient. His love fills our heart, fills our lives with peace and joy. His love restores our lives. His love makes us feel brand new. The love of God leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Are we our brother's keepers? You see, if son A had shown love to his brother, I can tell you that his brother would have still been at home. If son A was kind to his brother, he wouldn't have packed up and left. The love of God, which is the love that he wants us to show to our neighbors. Let's take a look at another scripture very quickly. First John chapter four, 20 to 21. 
And I think I mentioned this earlier on, but I'm just going to read it from Scripture. 1 John 4, 20 to 21. It says, if anyone boasts and says, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, it says, he is a liar. If he won't love the person that he sees, how can he love, how can he love God that he does not see? 21 says this. He says, the command we have from Christ is blunt. He says, loving God includes loving people. I'm going to repeat that. Loving God includes loving people. Now, unless your Bible says otherwise, my Bible does not tell me that there are certain people you need to love and others you should not love. It says loving God includes loving people, period. Finito. Love people. Black, white, tall, short, skinny, roundish like me, love people. That is a command from God. You've got to love both. So this morning, I'm encouraging us to work on your love work. Work as in W-O-R-K on your L-O-V-E work. And be your brother's keeper. I do trust that that message has been a blessing to you. Um, I'm going to encourage us. There's so much that's going on at the moment. And what I'm going to say from the voice of the church is that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to make our voice heard. There's so much that's going on and we have a duty not to be silent. Not to be silent. Not to be silent. But let's remember that there's a right way. The Bible says there's a right way that seemed right unto man, but thereafter is destruction. So let's trust God. Let's trust the Holy Spirit to help us make our voice heard the right way. Amen. Let us pray. Unto you do we lift up our eyes. O you who are enthroned in heaven. Father, behold, as the eyes of the servants looks unto his master, and as the eyes of the maid looks unto her mistress, so do our eyes look unto you, our Lord, until you have mercy and loving kindness on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy and loving kindness for us. For we are exceedingly satiated with contempt. Our life is exceedingly filled with the scorning and scoffing of those who are at ease with the contempt, contempt of the proud. Those who disregard your law, the law of love. We've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But you, Lord, have commanded us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, that we may be children of our Father in heaven. So, Lord, 
we stand up and we speak against injustice. We do this not with violence, but with love. For our help is in the name of the Lord. We pray that you show up in the lives of those who persecute others and that you open the eyes of their understanding to the realization of their ways. We ask, Lord, that you forgive them. For they do not know and they do not have an in-depth understanding of the errors of their ways. These were your words and the words of Apostle Stephen when, they were being, when he was being killed. Until Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, met with you on the way to Damascus, he thought he was doing good. Our prayer, O oh God, is that those who persecute others would have a Damascus experience that would transform their lives. I speak this morning to those of you who might be mourning the death of a loved one or has been impacted in any shape or form by injustice. I have these words of encouragement for you this morning from the Almighty God. Says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The spirit of the Lord. The Lord has appointed, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn the families of George Floyd and the like, the families of Stephen Lawrence and the like. He has sent me to tell George Floyd's daughter, his wife, his sister, and every other person that fits into the injustice of this world, that the time to favor, the time of God's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against the enemies because they refuse to repent and to do right. To you who mourn in Israel, to you who mourn around the world, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes and joyous blessings instead of mourning. He will give festive praise instead of despair. In your righteousness, you will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for your suffering and make an everlasting covenant. The covenant that God made with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. It says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He says, your descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Hallelujah. Says everyone would realize that you are a people the Lord has blessed. It says you will be overwhelmed with joy in the Lord your God. And why is that? Because he has dressed you with the clothing of salvation and draped you with a robe of righteousness. It says you are like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. 
and everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants bringing up, springing forth everywhere. So today I speak a blessing over your lives. I say, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. And may the Lord God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, may he lift up his countenance upon you. That even during the storms of life, even during this period where there's so much injustice, may the Lord God give you peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. I say this week, go forth, be your brother's keeper, fulfill the perfect law of God, which is the law of love. And remember that we are one family and let that love of God be shared amongst us, irrespective of who we are. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a fab week. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.